Hello, everyone. This is Gary Sheffer. I'm a professor at Boston University, and welcome to another episode of The Crux, where we focus on the intersections of communications, business, and society. I'm here with my longtime podcast partner and friend, Mike Fernandez. Mike's the CCO at Enbridge, a global energy company. Hello there, Mike. Good to see you. How's it going? It's good to be seen. It's uh, it's great to be back on campus. I'm, I'm uh, in the middle of my crisis classes here, and lots to talk about, of course, um, uh, on that front. Lots going on in the world. Today, we are joined by Denise Sevic-Bortree and Katie Place from the Arthur W. Page Center for Integrity and Public Communication, a research center at the Belisario College of Communications at Penn State. The Page Center is dedicated to the study and advancement of ethics and responsibility in corporate communication and other forms of public communication. I'm honored to be a part of the center's advisory board. Denise is the Page Center's director, as well as a professor of advertising and public relations and associate dean of academic affairs at the Belisario College. Katie is the center's former senior research fellow and is a professor in the department of Strategic Communications at Quinnipiac University, I believe, the number one rated hockey team in the country. I could be wrong about that. Today, we're going to discuss with Denise and Katie the importance of integrity in today's public communications environment and highlight some of the research underway at the Page Center. Welcome to the crux, Denise and Katie. Welcome to The Crux. Each week, two of the world's top communicators take you behind the scenes of the news of the day to explore the crux of communications that are shaping business, politics, and our daily lives. Hi, this is Gary Sheffer. And hi, I'm Mike Fernandez, and we're glad to be with you from Boston University. Denise, I'm, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk more and tell us more about the Page Center, its founding, and its purpose? Sure, Gary. Um, absolutely. I should probably start by distinguishing between the Page Society, uh, branded Page, and the Page Center. I think there's a lot of confusion that often happens around that. So I think your, your listeners are probably familiar with the Page Society or Page. The Page Center, as you said, is a research center uh, based at Penn State University. We are completely independent organizations. Uh, but Larry Foster, our founder uh, for the Page Center, was also a founder of Page Society, and he was passionate about Page Society. He wanted to establish a, a research center that explored the Page principles, core ethical principles, uh, through research and to connect the leaders in communication with um, academia and academic research. And, um, you know, this, the, the center, we, we benefit communicators and specifically, I think, society, page society, and with the, the research that we do. And, and our hope is that it, um, it helps communicators make better decisions. And that really was Larry Foster's vision. Denise, let me just uh, um, put, push this a little bit more. So. You, the center raises funds through things like the event we're going to talk about, 
um, later in the interview. Uh, you do some calls on topics that you think are important to researchers and practitioners, and then you give out grants for research. Yeah, absolutely. So we have funded more than a million dollars in in research activities um, since since our founding, and um, most of the scholars uh, who we fund are leading academics in the communication field. Some of them are based at Penn State, but um, many of our scholars sit at institutions around the globe, like Katie that you'll be talking to today. Yeah, so the research topics that you mentioned, I mean, they range from corporate responsibility to corporate advocacy, um, ethics of data and the use of data, ethical narratives, I mean, sustainability communication, just many topics that touch on uh, on ethics and, and ethical decision-making and, and tough decisions that organizations need to make. And the organizational listening that you're gonna talk about today was new for us. That was a topic Katie brought to us and it's just a really exciting area with some great potential. Excellent. Yeah. So, yep. Denise, uh, you know, in Larry Foster's day, you know, things seemingly were much simpler than they are today. Uh, he, he's well known, of course, for leading Johnson and Johnson's uh, st much studied public response to the infamous Tylenol murders in 1982. At the time, there was no internet, there was no social media, no disinformation, no bots, no generative AI, and all the other things that uh, impact communicators work today. Uh, given the environment in which communicators are operating in today, how does the Page Center influence kind of that future of public communications as well as shape? integrity in communications just as we are changing and are in constant motion in the industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, the media landscape today is completely different than it was in the 80s when Larry Foster was at Johnson & Johnson. But it's also wildly different than it was when the center was founded in 2004, which was you know less than 20 years ago, right? That was before Instagram, Twitter, before Facebook was publicly being used. Um, but at the time, the center was established uh, to conduct research, look at best practices for uh, corporations and for public communication around how do we maintain integrity, make ethical decisions, uh, consider stakeholder needs, because we know all of this leads to trust, trust uh, from the public. So that was true when the center was established. It's true now. It's certainly something we, we know to be true. But what's changed significantly is society, right? The expectations of corporations have changed dramatically. And so those are the areas that we like to study, we like to look at. For example, you know, corporations are, are compelled to engage in advocacy now, to take a stand on issues. And there are risks and there are ethical dilemmas around that. So that's one of the areas that, that we prioritize and we research. Um, you know, changes in society, good changes. You know, we're moving in the direction of an increased focus on diversity and inclusion and um, considering all audiences in our communication, in our decisions. And that's another complex, challenging um, kind of engagement that organizations are taking on now as they think about communication, as they think about decisions that they make. That's something that the Page Center looks at. And then a third example would be data. 
that having access to data and ethical use of data. We know data have inherent biases. So how do we interpret it? How do we use it? So these are the kinds of, of topics that we look at and then um, provide recommendations uh, to communicators. Katie, at its heart, the Page Center's mission is research. And your research examines the nexus of gender, power, and ethics in public relations. And you've authored more than 60 scholarly papers, book chapters, and peer-reviewed journal articles. As the Page Center's Senior Research Fellow, you received a grant to study organizational listening and marginalized politics. Really interesting topics. So with so many organizations committing to diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging, listening to marginalized public takes on a new importance, especially as these groups have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, labor challenges, and social unrest. Katie, can you walk us through your research project on organizational listening at a high level? For having me here today to discuss this important research, several things inspired me to focus on organizational listening for the Page Center's research call. First, I was immediately inspired by the Arthur Page principle number three, which is listening to stakeholders. So this means that communicators must understand what the public wants and needs, and we need to advocate for engagement with all stakeholders. And so to listen effectively, public relations professionals must engage a diverse range of stakeholders through inclusive dialogue. So that was the first one. And next is the previous scholarship by Jim McNamara in Australia. He indicated that there is a crisis of listening in public communication and strategic communications context, where sadly, organizational practices are 80% speaking related and only 20% listening related. <laughs> wow. Sad. So we have not yet fully mapped out listening for public relations. McNamara's architecture of listening model that calls for structures, resources, personnel, research skills and methods, and just the know-how to do the work of listening on these large-scale efforts for organizations was a fantastic base from which to start. And his research concluded and wrapped up with his latest book with a call for us to draw upon more sociological, psychological, and anthropological theory to inform how we listen. My grant call for additional research aimed to fill in those gaps. Scholars from around the world proposed research regarding organizational listening core competencies, organizational listening for diversity, equity, and inclusion, listening ethics, new communication technologies for organizational listening, and what happens when organizations or municipalities mm -hmm. don't listen, and more. But I, I think this is great. I, I mean, the, uh, one of my favorite quotes attributed to George Bernard Shaw, of, who, who you know, gave us Pygmalion, uh, which in its musical form is My Fair Lady, said apparently the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I always tell my teams is we stay so focused on what we're doing. We're writing a script. We're putting together testimony. We're, we're posting things to websites. Uh, and we're talking out loud to lots of people. But communication, in order to be communication, has to be heard, has to be understood. And so listening becomes fundamentally important. What I love about this research 
is the push not just around listening. There have been a, a number of studies, particularly in the in the diversity and inclusion space, uh, around listening and the importance of that. But what I love is kind of pushing the envelope on the application piece and how organizations might think more structurally about this. Um, what I'd love to hear you talk about is what happens when organizations aren't good listeners and, and and fundamentally why is listening so important to organizations whether they be companies or nonprofits yes through my 54 interviews with public relations practitioners around the across the United States there were so many case studies of organizations or pros engaging in a lack of listening and really a lack of listening to marginalized publics. And unfortunately, when we don't listen, we are not engaging organizational publics in ways that respect their dignity or inherent humanity. All organizational publics have a right to be heard and organizations, I believe, have an ethical responsibility to do the work of listening. So my most recent publication, it's out in Journal of Public Relations Research, calls for listening with consideration for intersectionality. So for those who may not know what intersectionality really means, it builds upon the civil rights, black power, Chicano liberation, red power, and Asian American movements of the 1960s and the 1970s, during which women of color experienced and documented the racial, ethnic, and class-based forms of oppression they endured differentially from men and the second wave feminist movement. Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality to describe how women of color are marginalized at the intersections of race and sex. She explained intersectionality highlights the face that women of color are situated with at least two subordinated groups that frequently pursue conflicting political agendas. The need to split one's political energies between two sometimes opposing groups is a dimension of intersectional disempowerment that men of color and white women seldom confront. So if the PR industry is to move forward in the wake of Black Lives Matter, COVID, and ongoing social unrest, we must engage in forms of ethical listening that are intersectional. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Crux. On The Crux, we discuss the intersection of communications, business, and society. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and on our website at thecruxpodcast.org. Now, let's get back to the episode. You know, uh, Katie, that's so well said, and and uh, the Page Center gives out awards every year and uh, for integrity, but one of the recipients in the past was Eugene Robinson from the Washington Post, the great columnist, and uh, he had a column this week about what happened in Memphis with the headline to the effect of uh, policing is something that uh, should be done with communities, not to them, right? And 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 when when you're um, when you're doing that, you're listening first and and not telling. Um, I'm also reminded, Katie, of uh, in our crisis class at Boston University this week, um, and this whole semester, in fact, we're reading 
a book about the Boeing crisis from a few years ago, the two terrible crashes in 2018 and 2019. And uh, that entire book is about a culture that in which the leaders were not listening to um, to the employees, to the engineers, to the technical leaders. In fact, as I remember, in one in one email, an engineer wrote about the plane in question, the 737 Max 8. This airplane is designed by clowns, who in turn are supervised by monkeys, right? And and that was one of the that was one of the emails that was discovered. Uh, in, in the investigation that followed, and obviously um, that person was not listened to, was not uh, uh, his or her words were not not acted upon by uh, the Boeing leadership with tragic consequences. So, if you need a demonstration of how important listening is in large technical organizations, particularly, boy, that's one. Yeah, I really believe that we must remember that as public relations professionals or organizational leaders, we represent a tremendous amount of power and gatekeeping on behalf of organizations. So we must listen to ourselves, all of our publics, and be sure we include and and value multiple perspectives and knowledges um, and understanding understanding that our lived experiences, our knowledge is always shifting and co-constructed. Great. Um, So... How does the center go about, you know, sharing the research and sharing the insights like the research that Katie's done and is doing? Yes. So we have a blog on our website and um, the shortcut to our website is thepagecenter.org. It takes you to the Belisario place um, on the Belisario College of Communications website where the Page Center is housed. Uh, but we have a blog, our scholars, author, uh, posts that share the insights from their research. So that's one place to go. Uh, we also, um, our scholars go to professional organizations like PRSA, they present their research, they publish books, like Katie has one coming out, which is very exciting. Um, and some of the research is shared in public access journals, like PRSA's PR Journal. But uh, we're working to improve our communication channels. I'll say that's one um, place where we probably could do better. We do really well on the academic side, engaging with academics, but getting our research into sort of practical reports and delivering that in useful ways uh, is something we're working on. It's one of our priorities this this year, and hopefully you'll be seeing more come out in the, in the, the near future. Uh, but for now, we have uh, our website has information. We have a database of our projects. We have blog, um, and and that kind of thing. And, and Katie, so I have two questions to follow up on that. Where do you go next with this work? And maybe answer this one first. So, how does the Page Center and and how do you connect? You know, bridge between research, which is the research you did, is so good. Um, and a lot of other scholars at the Page Center. How do you bridge with the practice? In general, I would say that there is still a lack of listening, a lack of listening on all scales, and particularly a lack of listening that is meant to truly provide actionable responses or actionable change. 
Um, I still think any kind of listening, whether it's uh, face-to-face, interviews, focus groups, or surveys, is often still done to just do some listening or provide some insights to affect the bottom line. But I think we really, we really need to think about why we're listening. I think that's a big question going forward. And what, it, what is the intent or the purpose? We are really trying to make sure that we have actionable methods for where the rubber meets the road. How can we truly listen? So, for example, one of the biggest recommendations from PR pros that came out of my intersectional listening study was we need to be more reflexive personally about ourselves and the work we do. Um, It may be starting from the very, you know, going back to the beginning and really being reflexive about our own biases or assumptions or lived experiences in preparation to really do the listening and work with our clients Um, We could even start by asking ourselves some questions. So, for example, asking yourself some reflexive listening questions when you do PR work, such as, what do I recognize or don't recognize because of the particular positions I occupy or my lived experiences? I also think that there's so much more work to be done for listening with regard to diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of the interviews... Uh, touted the importance of employee resource groups or whatever the organization might call them in th- across the industry as a means of fostering listening for DEI. These are those amazing safe spaces where organizations, organizational members can come together to talk and then kind of get that collective power and bring those concerns to the leadership and then influence that actionable change. Sadly, a lot of my interview um, and, and others across the listening call found that there was a tremendous amount of listening apprehension. There are still so many organizations that are either afraid or they lack the budget or they lack the know-how to do the work of listening. Um, for example, uh, Marlene Neal and Shannon Bowen, their research call really tapped into this and they found that there's just a lack of preparedness. There's a lack of training. There's a lack of just this ability to adequately engage in ethical listening in particular. Switching back to the Page Center itself for a moment, uh, Denise, I know the center has a training module on ethics for students. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure, yeah, we actually have a series of of modules. Um, And the reason that we decided to include this um, typically we've been a research center right we've, we've funded research but we decided that when you look at you know communication field you look at moral development you look at ethical decision making that kind of thing doesn't just happen it, it happens over time it doesn't happen at, at one point and so um, we were thinking about um, training education for future communicators taking some of what we've learned in research and some things we know just from um, from practice and, and, and from the discipline about ethics, ethical decision-making, and challenges that communicators face, we took that content and um, we built 12 modules that are free for uh, classroom use, they're free for public use, uh, on a range of topics from like intro to ethical principles to digital ethics, like we were talking about, global ethics, corporate responsibility, um, crisis and ethics. So their modules are on different topics that students can complete just one, just crisis um, and ethics. 
and it stand as a standalone module. And um, we've had 14,000 uh, um, people register for our modules and over 32,000 completions um, of the module. So I feel like we're having, yeah, faculty have really picked up um, on these modules and included them in, in their classrooms. And I think it's it's making a difference for future communicators. That's great. Um, I know later this month, um, February 22nd, uh, the Page Center is going to host its uh, seventh annual awards program and honoring three amazing communicators uh, with the Larry Foster Award for Integrity in Public Communication. They include Mary Barra, Chair and CEO of General Motors, Lester Holt, anchor and managing editor of NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, an anchor of Dateline NBC, and then John Awada, former senior vice president and chief brand officer at IBM. And I might add a friend and previous guest of the Crux. Um, Denise, uh, the event I know is free and virtual. Can you talk about the event and why it's important to recognize integrity in communications? Sure. Yeah, I would love to. So the event is an opportunity to to celebrate individuals who are not only icons of their field, but also icons of integrity. So these are people who have faced significant challenges and demonstrated integrity in their choices and in their communication. Uh, the award, it's named for Larry Foster, our founder, and we typically honor three people every year. Uh, someone from corporate communications, someone from journalism, and then someone from the highest level of corporate or public service. And um, I think it's it's important to celebrate people who have demonstrated that the highest level of integrity because it's an opportunity for the rest of us to learn um, from them as we are developing ourselves, our moral compass and, um, and, and our integrity. And it reminds us just of the importance of integrity in our work. It's an opportunity to pause, to hear from, from these leaders. And uh, the exciting thing is we have a lot of students who attend as well, who are at the very, very beginning of their careers. And they get to hear from people who um, are often close to the end of their careers or at the height of their career and are um, pointing to integrity as an important part of being successful. So the event is February 22nd. It's at 7 p.m. And um, sign-ups are, uh, the registration is, is on, our, on our website. So I think it's going to be an amazing event again this year. I have to say it's one of the best events of the year. And um, I've learned so much. You know, we've had Anthony Fauci, uh, Gene Robinson from the Washington Post, a great journalist. Um, so many people. Judy Woodruff, I got to interview Judy a few years ago. And, and so it's just amazing, not only for practitioners and academics, but for students. And, and we do get a good number of students. And this year, as they say, we have something new. Um, uh, uh, Denise, can you tell us about the, the student essay contest that's part of the program this year? Yeah, that's new this year. It's something we, we introduced because we have hundreds of undergraduates who, who join the sessions um, every year. And, and we wanted to find a way to engage with them a bit more and to provide an opportunity for them to reflect on what they hear in the event and, and um, from the honorees and really apply it to their own experiences, their future aspirations, and think about the importance of integrity. 
So we've launched a, a student essay contest and we're asking students to write just 300 words um, in response to one of the honorees remarks and uh, we, we provide on our, on our website the details of the kinds of questions that they, they can answer. But I think it's, a, it's another opportunity, again, to, to influence future generation of, of communicators and to get them thinking about the importance of integrity. Yeah. Now, the challenge, of course, and Gary and I've talked a little bit about it on the crux, is that there's an um, increasing demand for senior management, CEOs, senior communicators, to make comment on public issues. And some of the challenges is if you go in and you listen to various groups and they, and, and certain groups or certain individuals have a point of view on those issues and want senior management to speak out on those issues, a lot of these public issues inside a large company aren't going to split 99% to 1%. You know, some of these issues are very contentious in society and contentious inside a publicly traded company as well. How do you balance, you know, this very tenuous wanting to make uh, a difference, wanting to make employees feel as though they're heard, as and then on the other hand, feeling as though you have to comment on lots of different social and political issues. Now that's a that's a tough question, um, but I guess the the simple answer is tell the truth, prove it with action, listen to stakeholders. I mean the page principles. These are core ethical principles and you know they still hold today. The problem is of course the complexity of, of society and, and of the, the media landscape right now. But in the end, I think it's, it's up to us. It's up to communicators, it's up to business leaders to commit to the highest standards of ethical behavior. Um, it's obviously not always easy, but I think that's the path forward and it's the way to build trust with publics. And I really think just starting with the basics is organizations need to at least provide those spaces for dialogue to occur. Um, you know, if that isn't even there, organizational publics, especially employees, are going to become disgruntled. They're going to feel a lack of trust and a lack of or a sense that they're not valued. So I think even just providing those spaces is, is such an important part. And then the actionable... Uh, and of that is is icing on the icing on the top of the cake. Yeah, you know, Mike, I and you have done this probably more than anybody I know in the profession is just the willingness to engage with people, whether it's internal or external, and listen to them. I, you know, when I started at GE, uh, honestly, it was a talk to the hand company, right? That we were a bit arrogant about things and uh, externally. Uh, uh, I'm referring to here, but I found over the years just sitting down with people and understanding their point of view, engaging, as you say, that was my point of view. Instead of coming to our share owner meeting with signs and chants and that kind of thing, let's sit down and figure this out. And, and a couple of times it was successful. That listening was successful. And I know you did a lot of that, uh, particularly at Cargill. So my question is a little bit different, and, and, and it's interesting because you brought up 
employee resource groups. And I think employee resource groups are greatly, uh, I mean, they're terrifically valuable uh, to organizations. Again, I think they're also terrifically underutilized in a lot of, a lot of spaces too. Um, but I think one of the challenges when we talk about listening is sometimes there's an expectation when you're listening that you will uh, accede to, give in to, um, uh, take as, 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 as something that is more direction rather than a point of view. And how does one be careful as to not raise expectations that somehow this listening is going to get me exactly what I want? What I love so much about the Page Center is that it really reminds us of the core values that guide our practice. So those page values of integrity, listening to everyone, regardless of their connection to an organization, and transparency and truthfulness and dignity and respect, those keep us accountable. And so I think that we need to think more about being accountable to the profession and being humble listeners, uh, really getting into the communities, really seeking to get into the shoes of those with whom we're engaging, um, enact some empathy and care. All of those virtues and those values are going to put us on the right track to being more ethical communicators and hopefully more ethical listeners too. Yeah. You know, it is, things are more complex, but the idea of integrity is still a simple concept, right? And, and, and particularly when um, uh, when you're, you learn it through um, modules like the one that uh, you, you've put together, right, which is outstanding. And it reminds me, by the way, Denise, that I, I'm teaching a crisis class this semester. So I should, I should go in and, and, and introduce that one as well. But um, I think you've said it well, that the, the, the principles that Page, the Page Society, Arthur Page, Larry Foster, all have lived by uh, are fairly simple, and it begins with uh, tell the truth. So, so thank you for being on, Katie and Denise. Uh, this is a, a really important topic uh, at this time for a lot of reasons that we've discussed with Katie and Denise. And, and I really encourage everyone, to, if they have a chance on February 22nd, to tune in uh, because I know it'll be an outstanding program on an important topic. So, Katie and Denise, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Crux, and make sure to listen for our next episode. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can find our episodes on SoundCloud and on our website, thecruxpodcast.org.